We're talking movies. We're talking Greyhound. Written by Tom Hanks. Starring Tom Hanks, Stephen Graham, and Rob Morgan. With a cameo by Elizabeth Shue. Based on the novel The Good Shepherd by C.S. Forrester. And directed by Aaron Schneider. So, Chris, how accurate was this to your naval experience? All I have to say is, fire as you bear! All right, Scotty, so today we're going to be talking about Greyhound, the 2020 release by Apple Plus, a film about the Battle of the Atlantic, set in late November of 1942. This originally had a theatrical release around the time of 12 June 2020, but due to COVID-19, was picked up by Apple for $70 million. So, what do you think? Let's talk about this. I liked it. They're like... As well as from what I heard on Pawn Release, this shattered Apple Plus records in terms of viewing. This is the most watched thing they they have in terms of original content. Well, and I actually, when I the all the write ups I've seen on this talked about how this w- this would have been a, a a massive release for the summer if this had gone into the theater. It mm-hmm. had massive streaming, um, so it it definitely was going to be a summer blockbuster. So I don't know what kind of metric we're going to be using now to decide—sorry, to decide what a summer blockbuster is in the COVID world of streaming. Yeah, like is it how many people signed up to watch this? Is it how many people viewed it? But in reality, I think the budget was around fifty million. They got seventy, so they made twenty million off of this. Still not what technically probably would have made a nice five. 500 million in the theaters yeah so first off to your first point i know i got apple plus just to watch this film so but i mean i got the free week or whatever and then i think it accidentally rolled over so they 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 got their five dollars out of me but you're right like you're missing out on you know the weeks in theater the overseas sales like those big big box office numbers but i mean if you can make a film and you're right, the budget was, I think, $50.3 million. So you basically make $20 million bucks. That's not horrible, especially when this movie was made to be released theatrically and mm-hmm. then COVID hit. Not a bad return on your investment. True. Even though, you know, Tom Hanks was upset with his Apple overlords that it wasn't released in theaters. I read that as well. Then he backpedaled on the, the comment after. So... I mean, and let, let, so let's talk about that. So this is a 90-minute film. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your perspective? What do you feel? So what, let's, what did you watch this on? I watched it on my TV. Which is how big? 55. Okay. And w- do you think this was would have been better in the theater, appropriate on your TV, good for a device? Like, tell our listeners... What, what should they be watching this on if they're going to go watch it? Yeah, as big as TV as possible, obviously. Um, like, in terms of points, like, written, I have no problems with the... I thought he did good writing. Visual effects weren't bad, right? Um, for... But for a summer blockbuster movie, usually they're a little bit more tighter, right? But again, on the TV, it's not the same right as it like this was made for theater 
theater use. But again, for getting what you have and watching it for free, if you signed up, you got a lot more than what you paid for it. It was a really good movie. I 100% agree with you. Uh, definitely on the free point, you know, for bang for your buck, if you're getting free or even if you're paying five bucks, I know if you had an Apple product recently purchased, you got like a year. Yeah, I mean, for a free movie or a $5 movie, fantastic. This movie, 100% from watching it, was designed for that massive screen. And like you, I watched it on a television, 65 inches. It was good, but oh, I could imagine. <laughs> hey, let, let's <laughs> let, you know, let's talk about big things in our rooms. Um, <laughs> I definitely can imagine what this would have been like in that surround sound on that massive screen, like 1917. Um, and you can tell that like the care and the work was put in for this film to be shown on that type of screen. Mm -hmm. So I do think that if you're gonna watch this movie, and I and we'll, we're gonna talk about this, I think you should absolutely watch this film for a numerous amounts of, for numerous reasons. Watch it on the biggest screen. This is not a rom-com. Watching it on your phone, it's just not gonna have that effect. And if you can go, if you can go to the drive-in, if you whatever area you're in has this showing on a big screen, definitely go watch it. Those big guns, the big seas, the big ships, the big battles. Yeah, but they won't. Like it'll never be in a drive-through because it is an Apple thing. It's only gonna be. Yeah, but we don't know. We don't know what a year from now what the world is gonna look like. We might not even be here. I might be eating your flesh in some type of like post-zombie apocalypse. That might happen. I'm okay <laughs> with those things. Zombie, okay. I like how you turn into a zombie and I survive <laughs> for the seconds until you eat me. But well, sure. Well, I mean, when we look at our lifestyles, I think it's more likely I'll end up with some type of crazy zombie virus. But that's that's the for a different type of show. Um, you know, as, as you pointed out in our intro, uh, for our listeners that don't know, I spent roughly 10 years in the Canadian Navy. Uh, part of that was on ships, on minesweepers, and the second half I was a diver. So for me, this really speaks to me. Uh, the Battle of the Atlantic is kind of this really important aspect of the Second World War. And I don't, I don't, I'm not going to get into too much of the, like, the World War II history. There are podcasts that do a better job of that. There are experts that are better at that. Um, but it was a very important aspect of the war. Uh, I think the tagline essentially is like, the only thing more dangerous than the front lines is getting there. Mm -hmm. And whether it's the Russian front or Normandy or any of, the, uh, any of the, the aspects of the Second World War, getting equipment and troops to the front was the Battle of the Atlantic. And we don't see these films at all. No. Right? Like we, we know all mentioned. about storming beaches or North Africa or whatever. And so first off, I want to give a lot of kudos to Tom Hanks for bringing this aspect of the war to the forefront of the conversation. And using Forrester's writing, like The Good Shepherd is a fantastic book. I know our producer, Rod, uh, he, he basically schooled on, schooled me on like the nuances between the film and the book. And I would definitely recommend from our producer, go read the book. If you're a World War II person or if you watch this film and you enjoy it, definitely go watch The Good Shepherd. I know it's also being released as Greyhound um, by C.S. Forster. It's, it's going to give some depth to this film. And I think the film did a good job 
of retelling that story, but you're just not going to get that kind of depth that you get in a novel. Um, C.S. Forster also wrote the series Horatio Hornblower, as well as the uh, original book for the African Queen that is a, a very famous movie that went on to win lots of Academy Awards. Um, so he, he, he knows his subject matter. And this film is very accurate. So if you're a World War II buff and you like that opening scene in Save It Priving Ryan where they storm the beaches, watch this film. You're going to like it. It's very, very accurate. And, and I'm definitely going to talk back about this a bit more. Scott, tell me again, because I'm going to talk for hours on this because uh, <laughs> I'm a former sailor. But yeah, give me your perspective as a, as a non-military guy watching this film. See, I liked the first... Like in terms of spoilers, uh, the first attack by the gray wolf, um, or yeah, I guess they're all gray wolf, right? Well, they're all U-boats. Yeah, gray wolf was the like call sign, for probably the, for the lead U-boat in the wolf pack. Yeah. So the first attack that for me was tense. It was, it was well done. Like I felt claustrophobic. I felt like I was in there waiting waiting when he's like no closer closer we got to get eyes closer right and then dropping the bombs and then not thinking they hit and then uh, five minutes later whatever time wise lapse it comes up for me i like that um the pacing i thought was fine uh my dislikes for it was the elizabeth shoe like that whole cameo because that's all it was for me like at the beginning before he gets his first naval command meeting this woman um and in my head it was a way better story than probably what's actually was so i 100 percent agree and again i'm gonna i'm gonna just keep throwing this to our producer rod because we literally had a conversation about the differences between the book and the film, and this is something I brought up, and I'm a hundred percent on board with exactly what you're saying. In the book, that relationship is like an ex-wife, and there's 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 some nuance to it, and it's it it, it it it's part of the the broader story. And for all we know, some of this got left on the cutting room floor. But I agree with you that in the current uh, context of this film, it's not important. Like, I guess the only thing that was good about it is it opened and then I saw the like interaction with Elizabeth Shue and I was like, oh, this is going to be like Pearl Harbor and we're going to like jump back and forth between this and that. And don't worry, that does not happen. Like this movie is about war. It's about being at war at sea. And if you get through the Elizabeth Shue part, you're going to be like jazzed because it's all about war until the very end. And then the movie's done. So I, I think they could have just pulled that out. I, I don't think it lends anything to the film. So it's um, an ex, like in the book, so it's an ex-wife. It is an but ex-wife. In the movie, he's like, come, here's the plane ticket, whatever. Come meet me so I can ask you to marry you on a paradise. Like. Exactly. And it's not his first command in the book. It's his first wartime command. 
Those are two very, very different things because like dude that just like learned how to drive a ship being like, oh, look at me. I'm like kicking ass and taking names versus I've got lots of time at sea. I'm very, very capable. I have not been in, in wartime sea, but I do know how to operate this ship. See, they, they, they allude to that with the Elizabeth Shoe seeing because she says they, I knew they were going to need people like you once this happened. Sure, right. but that could easily have been, I'm a naval officer and I've been at the staff college for four years versus I've been doing lots of sailing, I just haven't been in combat. And I think, again, this could easily be just an editing issue that there was coverage shot and it didn't make it into the final film. But I would have just, I would have just chopped the Elizabeth Shoe off. I would have just been like, bang, we, we, we start, especially with those intro credits uh, where it describes the ships. November 1944, Battle mm -hmm. of the Atlantic, and just play that out. Mm -hmm. Bang. You like, know what I mean? Because it yeah. doesn't. It doesn't give. It doesn't bring anything to the That's film. That's the in my head. This is how. This is how the the scene laid down. This is what I thought the relationship was. It was one of two things. One, they were having an affair. She was married because they were meeting in a public place. Random. Oh, and she's all like, ah, I yeah, don't know. Exchanging Christmas presents, like, oh, here's a star. Okay, I'll put it on my tree. Yeah, right. Like, or she, he didn't know she was married, and it was just like uh, a widow of a former person that he dealt with, and you know, she's still not unsure, right? Like, but it's still kind of like, like, like scandalous, me, like, whether he knows about the scandal or not. This, yeah. this, this whole relationship. Cause you're right. And, and you know what? I never, I never thought about that, but as you're talking and I play that back, I get that vibe of like, Oh, thanks. Like, Hey, so can we like change your like relationship status on social media? And it's like, yeah, um, my job doesn't let us do that. It's kind like, of thing. It's like, a, it's a, it's complicated. Yeah, it's, complicated. I mean, like, it's complicated. Quote unquote, air quoting, uh, quote unquote, complicated. Um, yeah, I, I never thought about that, but yeah, I think I agree with you. Um, I think we could have just, we could have just, just got rid of Elizabeth yeah. Shue. It was cool. Like, I mean, it's not the karate kid. It's been a while since she's done a lot. I, uh, yes, I'm aware she has done things since the karate kid. That's the funny part about this. Um, but yeah, she's like in the movie for like, what? It's a seven it, it, minutes. Uh, like I related it to Will Ferrell in Wedding Crashers. Yes. Where, like she comes in, but she didn't steal the scene and it's no fault of her own. And I don't think it's in terms of, yeah, like it was a condensed movie. Not that many war movies are 90 minutes. It's like you're not in there for the hour and a half. It's usually two hours, two and a half hours where you get to expand a lot but this was very concise very like okay let's get to let's get to see and start fucking blowing shit up so i think the 90 minute time frame for this film is a perfect time frame again if we get elizabeth shoe out and we you know we get 10 minutes back whatever because we're not talking about like troops going through europe and there's not this big campaign we're talking about roughly what 50 hours so Basically, this film takes place between air cover uh, from Newfoundland and air cover from England, essentially. If you're a history buff and that's wrong, you, you can fuck off. Like that, mm. I'm here to talk about movies. So, But there's this period called the Black Pit where there's essentially no air cover where the wolf packs, which are German U-boats or submarines, that have the most amount of advantage. 
So I think that 90 minutes, what it allows is you can really crank up the tension and hold the audience tension for that period. Where if you get over two hours and stuff, like people tend to just like, you, you, need, you need to have something else going on. But the reality is, is like you're at sea and you're seeing the interactions between a captain, his crew, ships, other ships in a convoy. And I think if you... I would say if you like a good submarine movie, and that includes even things like Das Boot, uh, Crimson Tide, or um, Hunt for Red October, any of those sequences where it's like con, sonar, one new contact report, that edginess, this movie is going to give you roughly 70 minutes of that edginess where you're on the seat and you're like, what's going to happen? Where are these submarines? Mm-hmm. I don't know. What, what, what's, your, what's your take on that? Yeah, I agree. Like the first interaction between the U, the U boats, and and the Greyhound, I enjoyed. But my dislike was when they went to the other battle, and then the Greyhound technically was. It, it's losing. all the same battle, man. Like no, no, just just because they disengaged, it's they're they're still in the same confines. Yes, yeah. Okay, so. It, the other interaction where they start losing these all these other boats in the convoy start lighting up. That, their, that was the boring part for you? No, no. Listen, they start biting, like lighting up their distress. But we don't see anything. It goes to fucking cloud cover, and then it goes to the north lights, and then it's the morning. So the, I, the, what I think the reason for that is because like that is to get you kind of emotionally engaged in what it's like to be a sailor at sea where you don't get to see the enemy. You, one of the things I really like about this film is, first off, the Americans are not like super triumphant. They don't ever, you know, they're, they're not like victorious all the time. There's conjunction between them and there's a Canadian mm-hmm. Corvette. There's a, it's actually a Polish ship with a British uh, liaison. Um, they lose ships. They're fighting on the surface, subsurface. It makes it very real. Real war is not close, uh, glorious, and it also is not clean. No, exactly. Like when they had the one scene where the, um, I don't know what his position's called, but the guy who repeated the sonar guy, yep. and he got shot in the mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And then all of a sudden you're just looking, you see them carry him, then it's the next day and they're still wiping the blood off the, the floor. Right? Yeah, and they're just like, yeah, bring up bring up reinforcements. Yeah. Like we're at war. Like this guy up, right? Like Well, and even when they did their burial at sea, right? Like the reality is is like we can't really stop. We have to clear our decks and so we have to get rid of the bodies. Like this is it. This is the it is very true to what it's like to be at sea in a combat environment. Now, in terms of the burial at sea, do you think they just didn't have a lot of time in terms of, like, in terms of making the movie in the scene itself? Or do you think it was um, deliberate in which the one body, they they had to, sh- like, they couldn't get it off. And you just see them kind of shaking. Then eventually it, like, falls off. I think that's more just, like, in reality is even in a solemn moment when you want perfection, the real world kicks you in the balls. Right, so they, you can't be stopping in the middle of the Atlantic like that. You have convoys to protect. You don't have the space for those bodies. You have to get rid of them. You do the best you can, and then it's back to work. So again, that is that is that is very much what it's like in naval life: is that the ship has to fight, 
and float and move and you have a duty and that's that has to be paramount. Um, and actually, I do want to talk a bit about the way they approach this. Uh, so Tom Hanks is known for, you know, being associated with some really, really good World War II movies, whether it's Band of Brothers or The Pacific or Saving Private Ryan. Um, so he wrote the screenplay. I think he did a good job adapting mm-hmm. it. Um what they did to get some of the realism that you may not have picked up is, so for example, in order to get the feel of the North Atlantic, the the camera crews actually went to Canadian Forces ship HMCS Montreal, and they spent a week on board a Canadian Forces frigate, a current serving frigate, and they filmed Bowwake and Sternwake, front and back, uh, scenes of the open North Atlantic and stuff. And then they CGI'd the ships into it. So those waves, they're not just computer generated, like they're real footage. And you really get a sense of that, that the, the turbidedness of the North Atlantic, mm-hmm. um, as well as they, so there's a Canadian ship in the film, uh, which is the HMCS Dodge codenamed Dickey, which is hundred percent fictitious. But it's modeled after HMCS Sackville. So what they did is they went to Halifax. It's a museum piece. It is the only flower class Corvette still in existence. And they basically did like imagery of it. So when they reproduced it with CGI, they were able to use like real images of a real floating vessel that is an accurate reproduction of the type of warship that would have been in service at that time. And One of the things as a Canadian sailor that I think was really awesome of them to do is the hull number on the Dickey, the quote unquote, you know, uh, fake warship that they use is Kilo 136, which is the HMCS Shawinigan, which was a Canadian Corvette that was sunk on the 25th of November, 1944. So really late in the war and all 85 sailors died and it was just off the coast of Newfoundland. It was escorting a ferry at the time and it was uh, sunk by a German U-boat. So they used a real Canadian ship. They gave it a real hull number of a ship that was actually lost during the second world war. And I mean, as a Canadian sailor, I really appreciate that attention to detail. That's nice. Good to know, but again like what in terms of acting and, and stuff like which characters for you did you like the most in ter- like seeing it like for me i really enjoyed rob morgan's the cleveland like yes he died absolutely but i think he before like to me he was the heart of that ship like he that whole every scene was him seeing the stress seeing what tom hanks what was going through and trying to just get him to eat something, right? Just to take a moment during all this for himself because he hadn't slept, he hadn't eaten. And by half, what, three quarters of the movie, his feet were all bloody and everything like that, which makes sense why the Elizabeth Shoe scene was in there because she gave him those loaves. Without those, everybody like, where the fuck do you get those shoes? So I, I agree with you. I think he did a fantastic job as an actor. And, but even that lends itself to my original statement about the authenticity. So the fact that the cook got killed was because the cooks were often used as ammo loaders for those big deck guns. And that's how he got killed is when they got broadsided, mm-hmm. he got killed by like a 40 millimeter or something off that U-boat. 
So yeah, the acting was fantastic. Um, I think they all did like a really great job. I mean, Stephen Graham did a great job as their XO and Tom Hanks is, is Tom Hanks. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it's just like, I think they all did a really good job of like working together and getting that vibe of what it's like to be like a captain trying to make decisions, you know, having to make decisions that like, so for example, whether do I stop for uh, a rescue mission? Do I move from a zigzag pattern to straight away because I need to get back under air cover? And again, I think if, I think if you're a World War II person and you enjoy realism, but you also want to be kind of kept on the edge of your seat, I think Greyhound is a fantastic film. They did a lot of things accurate. Um, even just, uh, they shot on the USS Kid, uh, which is uh, currently stationed in Baton Rouge. I mean, it's a museum piece by stationed. <laughs> so everything's shot on like real vessels. Like, so there's no, there's no like uh, stagecraft being used for the most part. Like these people are operating in the kind of environment they would have operated on during the Second World War. Um, and the U, I'm telling you, the battles with the U-boats are amazing amazing like there's there's this spoiler alert there's a scene where you've got a corvette shooting on on the surface with a u-boat you've got the basically destroyer trying to come alongside the the u-boat's almost too close it's inside the gun range and there's just like stuff bouncing off the water and like they're they're waiting for the other ship to clear and you're just like you don't know what's going to happen you're waiting for a ship to get hit there's like there's another scene where there's like the ship's trying to outturn torpedoes and stuff and like it's all real like even again spoiler alert there's a scene where a german torpedo hits the side of the ship but not at a 90 degree angle and it doesn't go off and that's very real because the contact requirement for those types of torpedoes was basically a 90 degree angle again if you're a history buff you can fucking yell at me on twitter okay <laughs> but the reality is is those are all the fighting scenes were plausible Unless you're a history buff fucking tweeting you shit. Yeah, when you can fucking tweet me all you want because Scotty runs our Twitter and so he can deal with it. Oh, thanks. (laughs) Thanks. But now, like, offset, like, okay, so, you know, you're done jerking off this movie and blowing it. What didn't you like? (laughs) Whitecaps. What didn't you like either than that one scene with Elizabeth Shue? Like, for you, what lost you like could i make it better yeah how would you make it better or could you make it better um honestly i no no um what i would suggest is watch this film and this is something that like i was basically revved up to do um watch this film then watch the 80s film das boot which is probably the best submarine movie and it's a hundred percent the best u-boat like german world war ii movie so that you can kind of get the feeling of like so here's the surface and here's the undersurface or the underwater version but the reality is it's like there's nothing else you can do to this film other than mm-hmm. trim it down make it a bit tighter which we've already discussed it, it has all those things the cinematography is fantastic the acting is fantastic it's not a drama so there's like it's not a drama in the sense that there's a bunch of character development. The ship is the character. The war is the character. True. Now, the one thing I was interested in when we were when we picked this movie was the director, Aaron Schneider. 
Yeah, let's talk about this. I don't know anything that Aaron Schneider has done, to be honest. Yeah, like he, from everything I researched, the last thing he did was he was a second unit director for a Final Destination movie. Like yeah, 20 he, he's done some like uh, Oscar winning kind of like shorts, shorts and ind- independent type of European stuff. Like for me, that was uh, like when I real, like read it, I was like, <laughs> I was like, now, imagine that fucking phone call where you're like, hey, Tom Hanks wrote this movie. We want you to direct it. Like, how, like... How does that happen, actually? Yes. That's, I think that is <laughs> that definitely is a story. The question. So you're, like, chilling at home playing, like, Xbox or something like that, and they're like, hey, so do you want to go direct this, like, $50 million World War II film with Tom Hanks? Yeah. Like, for mm-hmm. me, that's... Like Tom Hanks produced it as well with his playtone, so so obviously he had a say. So there must have been something in that short that he did that he did win an Oscar for Two Soldiers, I believe it was that. So that maybe maybe this something. is uh, another podcast that we can do is like kind of unnamed directors that have worked on big films, the who, where, what, when, why, how, and kind of how that played out. Because again, I, I've never heard of Aaron Schneider. This is a big movie. It's it's similar to our episode on Aliens where, you know... Um, James Cameron. James Cameron had not done anything in the big leagues. And they're like, oh, here's Terminator and that you wrote and you can direct it. And eh, if that does well, how about have this alien movie too? You know what I mean? So... But it, like, like, for me... I, like I give him props. Like he did well, right? And oh, he did fantastic. Tom, Tom Hanks and himself, like he is a good director, right? Like that thing you do, I love that fucking movie. Well, and I think he also directed the first episode of Band of Brothers and a couple, uh, and wrote a couple as well. I think he wrote four episodes. Yes, yeah, I'm yeah. I think you're right on that. Yeah, but so for him to be like here so i i mean i there's a hundred percent of story there there's a hundred percent of story this seems like it's a tom hanks passion project but yet it got handed off so that means he would have been handpicked exactly or he would have been shortlisted at least exactly which if anybody knows you can email chris at (laughs) how'd you like that movie at gmail.com so that yeah, way. you can also email Scott at that same email address. <laughs> he's uh, he's more of the tech guy. So, I mean, unless there's anything else you want to talk about, I'm going to throw this to you, Scott. So, how'd you like that movie? I liked it. I'm, for war films, it, it, would, it would probably be in my top 10. I would rewatch it. And to me, that's that's the indicator like in terms of liking it. Will you ever rewatch it? And I probably will rewatch this movie again. And Chris, I don't even have to ask you. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's definitely in my top five war movies. I have rewatched it. Definitely read the book. Um, it's it is up there with like Saving Private Ryan, especially that opening scene. Definitely watch Das Boot. Um, maybe if we do a podcast on World War II movies, Das Boot will 100% be in there. It is a fantastic film. It's like three and a half hours with the director's cut. I think there's even a longer version of it. So I don't know, get, get your popcorn, sit down, watch that. Um, Scotty, do you, uh, do you want to tell everybody how to get a hold of us both redo that email address and hit us up on Twitter? You will be talking to Scott. 
because I don't do Twitter. Well, our Twitter handle is at how'd you like that one. Or our email is how did you like that movie at gmail.com. Now, question for you before we finish off here. In a COVID 2020, what Academy would you give this movie any Academy Awards? For me, it would go, I would go with um, special effects. 100%. Sound editing. 100%. Sound mixing. Sure. And adapted screenplay. 100%. And just because of like where we're at and there hasn't been a lot of competition, I'd throw in directing as well. Definitely a nomination. Definitely a nomination. Hmm. All right. All right. But nothing for acting. I mean, again, no competition right now. Okay, yes, I think I think everybody gets a nomination, <laughs> both supporting. Uh, I would give a, a supporting to Stephen Graham, <laughs> Elizabeth Shue, <laughs> no, not actress. to Elizabeth Shue, and to Tom Hanks, uh, because again, there's no competition. But those other categories, hundred percent. All right. Well, that's our show. And if you'd like our rant for the day, again, you can reach us at How'd You Like That one on Twitter or How'd You Like That Movie at gmail.com. And remember to, if you liked us, subscribe to this podcast. If you don't like us, fucking subscribe to this podcast so we can show you how much better we're going to be. All right. Thanks. (laughs) And all I have to leave it with is yesterday, today, and forever. Production by Rod Shaver, Vader Monkey Productions.